Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Footballers are getting very good at cutting their hair, aren't they? They're, they're very talented at cutting their own hair. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 43, with Alexander Moneypenny and Arsenal's agony aunt, Bradley Adams. How you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not, I got Invisalign yesterday. I'm I'm looking into doing that as well. Do it, mate. It's it's really good. It's 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 the modern technology, Brad. Honestly, it's it's the it's the modern day. Oh. It's very very good. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I'm I'm just I'm just saying it in case someone hears me go. Hi. So um, Arsenal have signed um Martin Odegaard. If you hear me sound like that, that's why. Um, okay. Listen, breaking news, just as we started the podcast, Martin Erdegaard has signed for Arsenal. Literally. Erdegaard 11, disgusting. Um, but uh, I'm fuming about that. Uh, but anyway. Are you actually? <laughs> yeah, because he's not a winger. We have number 10 available. Okay. Edu says, I'd like to thank everyone at Real Madrid and Martin's representatives, blah, 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 blah. Martin is an exceptional talent. We're strengthening our squad. Uh, Erdegaard spoke to uh, Arsenal.com and said, I spoke to him as in Arteta before coming here, of course. That was very important for me and he seems like a top manager and I liked his ideas, the way he sees football and also the way he is, which is good, good news. I mean, we all knew it was going to happen, but it's good good to get it confirmed. Um, And that's Signed, sealed, delivered. Yeah, no, definitely, because deals can fall apart at any point. We've seen it happen before. David De Gea was signing for Madrid and then Man United lost the fax machine or something and it all went tits up. Is that? I thought, I thought so, it just didn't work. Did they lose the machine? Yeah, well, no, they didn't lose the machine. It, it's all bollocks, as in like, a, apparently it was that the machine stopped working so they can get the paperwork over in time. But you're telling me that every single fax machine inside the gargantuan club that is Manchester United and every way of sending those documents over (laughs) wasn't working. Why are they using fax machines? Like, wasn't this like 2018 or something? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, literally like 2017. It might not have even been a... But yeah, so it's just absolute bullshit. You know, they didn't want him to go, so they, they fucked the paperwork. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, so the fact that it's not fallen apart and it, it's it's a really, really good move. Gives us cover. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame that we've not gotten someone on a permanent just because obviously he, he could have a phenomenal six months and then go back to Madrid or go somewhere else. And then we're in the situation where we're trying to bed somebody in again mm-hmm. in kind of June, July when we sign somebody on a permanent. But I think this is the smartest move going forward, especially with his contractual situation with the way that, you know, everything's looking at the moment. 
it, it, it makes the most sense. And the fact that the wages that we'll have saved in Socrates until the end of the season has paid for this loan in its entirety is a massive, massive positive. Yeah, we, we had a, a kind of a larger discussion about this on the, on the last podcast. I think um, it's a really good move. I, I you know, especially with Smithrow, I think, I think got cramp last night. I, I don't think he's actually injured. I think it was just cramp. But, you know, when Smithrow went down, I went, oh, fuck. Because, like, he he has become so integral to our team and so integral to the way we play at the moment. We feel so lost without his kind of his rotation and his movement, without the kind of the the layoffs. He's also really good defensively. I've I've looked at some some um some Erdegaard stats recently, and apparently there's there's some data that suggests he couldn't he could be used further back. Um and, and you know, potentially not not maybe as part of a two two attacking eight. So maybe that's something to to explore. But yeah, I think it's 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 good it's good news and it's good cover because of as I say because of Smithrow's injury history and yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing him play it's it's I think in terms of as I've said before what we needed uh, which was all kind of covered on the last podcast what we needed he was the right person to get in at this time um, and listen we're clearly going to sit down this summer and have have discussions. Yeah. If Zidane's still there, if Erdegaard loves it, I think it's it's a really smart move. It's like a you know, free, not not quite a free trial, but you know, it's it's a it's a it's a trial for both yeah. player and club. Um, and sometimes you can make huge signings. And we saw the um, we saw the AFC Bell uh tweet series. I don't know if it was last night or the night before. I don't know if you've seen yeah. it. That almost states, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that I read it states that Odegaard would be the second alternative like the second move yeah it states that we're trying to look to almost bring in almost like some kind of like lights out signing in the summer which would obviously be in that creative midfielder role because if Erdegaard is the is the kind of second choice or the alternative yeah. to it means that that this lights out signing is going to be in that position so it'd be yeah. very very well, it's interesting to hear well what's great is that we get a trial this is the thing you yeah know, imagine if we got a trial of pepe like imagine if we got a six-month trial and i know it sounds stupid but like if we got pepe if, if the intention was to have him um uh, you know assigning an early guard signing which would probably cost in the region of what between 50 and 70 i'd say um maybe euros but um as in million it it, not, depe- it depends 50 on like, you're talking you're talking yeah it, financially it's it's difficult for madrid because it depends how many people are interested it depends how it, it, there's with a deal like this where somebody's gone out on loan for the 6 months previous there there are a lot of factors that come into play for sure and the player if power. he plays well over the next 6 months uh that will put his price up by 5 10 million pounds euros if he plays poorly uh, but we're still interested. That'll bring the price down. He's only got two years left on his contract by the end of this. If if Zidane's there and he's not wanted by the club, that also brings the price down. Yeah. Because they will be looking to sell. Yes. Uh, so it's a deal that definitely could get done for 40 million quid. For sure. Depending for sure. On, on situations, how- <laughs> which is a good price. Yeah. And as we said at the last podcast, you know, two years left on his deal. The player wants the move potentially, and we've had a proper look at him. And if he's the person we want, then he's the then then great because we've seen him in training for six months. So, um, yes, so that's good. Martin Odegaard joins us on loan. Uh, we do have a piece on the different uh, written by Aaron Reed, which should be up by now, uh, just in the process of getting it sorted. Um, so if you want to go read more about Mart- Martin Odegaard, absolute legend, do Aaron. that. Thank you. What a man. Um, okay, let's move on. So Arsenal won. 
3-1 against we did. Uh, Southampton at St. Mary's uh, in the Premier League. Goals from Bukayo, Lacazette and Nicola Pepe. Good stuff. Um, how are you feeling overall about the game first? I'm I'm really, really positive. I thought it was a really positive night. Um, I thought a lot of things, a lot of decisions that Arteta made were massively vindicated but yeah what are your thoughts overall no 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 I was literally just about to agree with you I think a lot of the almost tactical decisions and decisions to kind of put Cedric out on the left rather than bring Maitland-Niles in was was good even though I don't think Bellerin was particularly productive there were a few moments where could have crossed a little bit earlier and would have given us kind of another half a yard of time and space but not a poor night from Bellerin um you know, I thought we got the midfield right. And I, I, I like the issue with kind of having two left footed wingers as with with kind of Saka and with Pepe. I thought he handled brilliantly because Saka, I think, is uh, dominating that right hand side for us from now on. I think that's that's his position. And then Pepe on the left seemed to work so well. Well, to be honest... Saka can use both. And yeah, Saka can use both, but I think he's just a bit more productive for some reason. He just seems to be working a bit more out on that right-hand side. I don't know if it's the relationship that he's building with Smith-Rowe or whether it's just the fact that having what currently is probably our best player in Bukayo Saka on the right-hand side rather than the left is just almost demolishing that left-side bias we had. For sure. Saka's scored the same number of Premier League goals now as Sterling and Firmino, and one more than Timo Werner. The guy is unbelievably talented and unbelievably productive on that side. And I think you can see it in the assist for the for the third goal. That first time straight in there with the right foot, you know, no, he didn't even need to think about that. And he's clearly worked on that. You know, I think I remember when he first came to the team, he did have that slightly, yeah, just, just that slight left side bias in, in terms of his legs. But now he just seems so ambi, is it ambidextrous or ambipedal? It's ambipedal, isn't it? Pedal? Ambi pedal, pedal. Uh, anyway, I have no uh, clue. <laughs> um, he just seems so much more ambi pedal. I think it is, and he, yeah, I think he just clearly the plan for the game, and we'll kind of get into the game analysis in a second. But the plan for the game was clearly to to go at those those two fullbacks because they were without um, Bertrand and and Carl Walker Peters. Um, I thought we pushed high and wide with our with our fullbacks, and it was clearly to you know kind of stretch them, give them some problems because they they're so good at high press. And if we can stretch them down the side, it does just inch them back a little bit and stops them being able to run at us so much. Um, and when when they're not playing Carl Walker Peters, when they're not playing Bertrand, it, it, it's a bit easier. Um, listen, sixteen out of eighteen points. Um, we're on a really good run in the league, really good. Um, and it's exciting because I think we're, I think we're where are we? We're above. I'll check us out on the table, but we're above uh, Villa. We're above Chelsea now. We're four points, five points off um, West Ham in fourth. It's looking good. You know, we've got a really, really tough run of games coming up. Um, I have to say as well, but... I, know, I know we're an Arsenal podcast, but what David Moyes is doing at West Ham United, like Incredible. deserves a fucking shout out. Seems Suchet, to have rediscovered. <laughs> it seems like, I think the thing with Moyes was he was never going to be a replacement to Fergie, which already tainted his tenure at United and then I think he went through a bit of a spiral but he seems to have discovered the the Everton mould that uh, almost like what he was doing there at West Ham and it seems yeah. to be working well for them so you know he's doing really well gassed if yeah. you were them 
For sure, for sure. I mean, you know, I think with all these things, there's always the question whether, whether they can go the distance, but then fantastic form. They got four wins out of the last four. So, you know, um, but listen, we're, we're, yeah, as I say, 16 points out of the last 18. We're on a really, really good run. Um, so I think we went into this with confidence. Obviously, we were without Aubameyang. We were without um, Tierney. Uh, David Luiz played instead of uh, Gabriel, which, again, I think is probably COVID-related. I thought David Luiz was pretty poor on the night. Um, but yeah, um, just jumping into the game then, I thought we started off really well. Um, I mean, we had that early chance from Xhaka um, with a great ball through, which he did almost an, an identical ball for the Pepe goal, but that first ball through to Lacazette, and he's got to score those. I mean, he's got to score. He's, uh, I think Lacazette, there was a stat I saw, which was something like, oh yeah, he, he scored eight goals in his last 12 Premier League away games after going 17 months without netting on the road in the top flight. And I think Lacazette's an interesting one to discuss because he, he, I think he fulfills such a good function in this team, especially when we play Smith Rowe. And I hope he kind of builds up the same connection that uh, with 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 uh, Erdegaard. Uh, he's not French. Don't know why I did that. Uh, with with Erdegaard. Um, the kind of I know I've used the, the phrase lacquering ram before, but I do think it's true. Someone who can really kind of muscle not out muscle but kind of square up to center backs hold the ball up knock it on he's a bit scrappy he's a bit low to the ground he's kind of a, but he's got that kind of bulk that we need um you know Saka is incredible but he he can he has been and he I think he's working on it I think his physicality is much improved but I think Saka can be kicked out of the game Smith Rowe again is a very technical player Pepe's a little bit lightweight so to have someone up there who is a bit more kind of um uh, strong and physical and able to, to to play that role is really good. And I think Lacazette, um, listen, I think he has a lot of shortcomings. I think he's someone who, you know, I said to you during the game, Lacazette overhitting the ball and Xhaka underhitting the ball has cost us big time over the last two or three, four years. But I think Lacazette is, is slightly underrated in this system. And I think I said to you as well last night, like if we had this Lacazette for another year or gave him another contract, I wouldn't hate it. Because I think the the kind of the player that he is, with three players around him who can link up with him, and I think I think he'll get a lot more assists, and I think he's learning that I... kind of slightly more centre forward role. Um, I, I think he's doing okay. I mean, he has to finish that first one. But what do you think? I just think I just think we've been bur- I think we've been burnt in the past by doing that with players. They've hit a run of form, and uh, and we give them a new contract, and then they fall off. And I just think that. Even if if we give him another contract, it'll be a two year extension. So it'll be a, a three year contract. Well, if it's now, it'll probably be it would be three and a half years. The rest of this season, and then three more. And by that point, he'll be in his like the twilight of his career, and we will have. Lo- I don't think we'll get a lot of money if we sell him this summer. Maybe twenty million to a Roma, but I think that that is more than we would get if we extend his contract and keep him because he's played himself into a position where he's now worth a bit more. And I think this is this is the positive angle to look at it from. Him playing well means that we can sell him for more in the summer and bring in somebody of higher quality who actually fits the mould of what we want. Because I think that Lacazette fits... Maybe sixty yeah. percent of the criteria, that, yeah, but not a hundred percent of the criteria, and that's the issue. 
there is no point keeping him and letting him depreciate more to the point where he goes on a free after his three-year contract to somewhere like the MLS rather than selling him for £20 million in the summer to maybe an Italian club or even like if we're talking £15 million and then we can bring somebody in of a younger age profile who we believe either has the potential to or does currently uh, match all the criteria of what we are looking for in a centre forward. And it means that we will be more productive in the latter, kind of in the in, in, in latter years because we won't have held on to something that only gives us 60. It's, this, it's the whole Bellerin conversation again of like, he doesn't give us 100% of what we need. He gives us it's 60% the, it's, of what we need, 40% of what we yeah. need, 80% of what we need. It's it's just never in, it's never in. Yeah, I, I, and, and to clarify my, my position, like I'm not saying Lacazette's the answer. I, 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 but I do think it's interesting that, as you point out, there's certain qualities that Lacazette has. I think he, I put him in my 80% category that I sort of said the other day on the podcast. Like he, he's someone who at, at his absolute capacity, at Lacazette's 100%, he only offers us 80% of what, what we need as does Bellerin holding etc etc so yeah I, I think um but you know you look at he's got his pass for the for the Saka goal when he's when he's at his best Lacazette is really useful in this system um and I think you know let's not disregard that just because he is someone who has massively struggled I think at the moment is in terms of the asset and in terms of what to do with him I don't really know um I don't really have a massively strong opinion either way. Like if, if we offered him another two years, I don't believe that's us going, that's Lacazette long-term, but I do believe that's us going with there's. I suppose what I'm saying is that position has slightly slipped down, maybe just behind right back in central midfield. And, and obviously creative midfield will always be number one. Uh, if we don't sign Odegaard permanently, he's just slipped down below right back. And, it just because I think you know another year of Lacazette. I don't think we get loads for him this summer. So if we had him for another year, you know, yeah, it's poor asset management. But I don't know. I, I think there's certainly an interesting debate to be had around it, and be interesting to hear kind of the the conversation around Lacazette moving forward. And 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 maybe he'll be rewarded with a new contract. I think it'd be good asset management to to give him one. Does it send the wrong message? I really don't know. I really don't know. I just think it depends um, on what we're looking at doing in the summer, uh, and if. Yeah, we aren't going to bring in a centre forward. Then obviously we can't let Lacazette go into that season with that being the final year of his contract. Because then we're def- we're up shit's creek and he's going in the summer on a fr- on a free. But I I as much as I, I I'm not sure whether I agree with you that it's now below right uh below right back because I think even though for example, you know you're looking at Bellerin who, again is very so so with what he offers us. We don't really know what we're going to get from Maitland-Niles. Cedric in the last two performances, even at left back and then at right back, has kind of proved that he is serviceable enough. Like he's not, he, I would rather have a useful right back and an exceptional centre forward than a useful centre forward and and an exceptional right back, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I just think if, if I had the choice and it was, replace Lacazette with someone this is the thing is 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 I suppose it's it is what you just said it's down to what happens in the summer I personally don't think we're going to go out there with Martinelli Lacazette and Aubameyang still in the squad and purchase a top of the range Dominic Calvert-Lewin level 
center forward slash striker. I just don't think we'll do that. No, so which then, is why it would have Laka would have to be sold if exactly that move, a move like that's going to happen. But, but I also think Lacazette would have to be sold. I also think we, you know, I, I just I don't see it happening. So and I don't I don't see Lacazette going. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I'm kind. I'm kind of. I'm kind of really torn here. I don't know what I would do um, because I'm really concerned about Bellerin. Maybe, maybe I'm letting my Bellerin concerns overtake this. He offers us so little, so little at the moment, and it could be a form thing. And and in the same way that Lacazette has picked up form, and maybe that's why I've kind of um, changed my tune on him slightly. But I suppose what I'm saying is neither of them are optimal solutions. But I, I think Bellerin is holding us back so much more than Lacazette does in this system for me. Um, because oh, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. With with the way we're playing at the moment, Bellerin is holding us back. He offers nothing. He offers no underlaps, no overlaps, no verticality. He's predictable. He's weak. He's he's got the most yellow cards in the league. I just and he comes out and he talks a good game and that's fine. And he you know he's a <laughs> very um uh what's the word commercial and very um saleable and not sellable asset. Different thing. Saleable person i.e. you know Bellerin is a good representative of the club but he he does concern me anyway well, let's let's yeah that's, that's just one that's point on the right back thing though Go on. is we have three so we would to to bring in another right back i think we'd have to sell two we'd have to sell Bellerin and Maitland Niles unless we be, unless we truly believe that Maitland Niles future is at central midfield and we start playing him in central midfield but I think personally his time is numbered at the club. So if we're going to bring in a right back, we're going to sell those two. And will we in the summer? I'm not sure. Listen, it just who depends. knows? Because because Cedric Cedric looked decent at left back. Maybe we'll we'll keep Maitland Niles as our backup. I think unless Maitland Niles signs a backup, uh, signs a new contract, I don't see him starting any games. And I think I think I think Arteta is at the point with Maitland Niles where if you don't. <laughs> I think he knows he's going to be. I think he knows he's going to be backed, and I think um, there's a certain. I feel a certain power shift moving towards Arteta. Um, the club are backing him. The club are getting. The club are cancelling contracts to to sort out the situation, which is untenable at a training ground with however many people. You can't even put two eleven aside teams together with the with the amount of people we have. So, you know, players will be revolting, and I think. The club accept that and are and are doing things like in discussions for Mustafi's contract, cancelling Socrates' contract, cancelling Ozil's contract, doing those sorts of things, getting Saliba out. And I think someone like Maitland Niles is next on the agenda of going, okay, okay, mate, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna sign, you're gonna be sold in the summer and you're not playing. So you know we're not gonna invest time in you if you're not gonna commit to this club. And I think he's he's really he's really at that position. But anyway, yeah, let's 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 move on with the game. Let's move on. So, um. Armstrong scored their first goal. It was a, it was a really good take. Um, clever routine. Clever routine. We've scored. We've re- conceded the least amount from set pieces, and I know you were <laughs> raging about the set piece, but I think we we have conceded the least amount from set pieces. And I think to be honest, it's it's probably it felt to me more like Pepe not marking and a kind of a indication that he's not always in the team. And I think that's the kind of and aware, and that's a kind of. One of Pepe's downfalls. I don't think he's that bad defensively, but it, I think he was at fault for that goal. But listen, clearly we were, and on Pepe actually, I thought we were really good at getting at them. I think Bukayo had the had the run at Vokins the whole time, and I think we were using those sides to stretch them. And I think putting Pepe on the left, especially for this game, 
it just simplifies his game. It, it makes him calm down. It makes him use his, his become a bit more stretch them horizontally a bit more, which is which is useful for us, and stop cutting inside constantly and losing the ball. And you know, I think having ball carriers like Bukayo, like Pepe on both sides, just allows us to beat the press. And I think it was a really good, a really good, um, really good decision and listen he scored the goal so you know a great ball from Xhaka which was almost identical to the first one it's a great take yeah no agreed I think my frustration with the set pieces more came I I don't think it was just that it came from a frustration with how we're treating every set piece at the moment and whilst we have conceded you said at least goals from set pieces I still never feel comfortable when we have a defensive set piece. I always feel like there is going to be an opportunity. And then the fact that we are not making use of our offensive set pieces, I think just pisses me off in general when it comes to set pieces. And it's probably 70-30 in the sense that I'm more pissed off that we're still letting Willian take free kicks that is hitting the wall and isn't getting past the first map. You know, I think it's more that than it is you know, our defensive frailties from set pieces. And it's probably also recency bias in the the Burnley goal um, came from, you know, the Aubameyang own goal from a corner. This one, I think we've probably just conceded a couple in the last five, six games and I've gone, ooh. But I think it is more just a general frustration at, at the whole package of set pieces at the moment. But on Pepe on the left, I think it... I've just punched my mic. Um, but with Pepe on the left, I think it's better purely because I think Saka has a better right foot. And I think Pepe is so one-footed that if you're putting him on the right, the only thing he can do is kind of um, cut in. Whereas having Saka there, I think, who, like you say, is a bit more two-footed, it allows Pepe to do that kind of auxiliary second striker on that kind of left-hand side role that you saw with that great ball through from Xhaka, who I think isn't being talked about enough. He's hit a really good run of form, probably since kind of Christmas Boxing Day. Since that Chelsea win, he's really been... He's come back from the red card, which I read somewhere that it was his first red card in something like 170-something days, which was mental to read. You know, with 170 days? Yeah, as in like he had... Don't know if it's that impressive. (laughs) No, no, no. But as in, like, everyone thinks like Two that, a season, not great. Well, two a season isn't great, but... Or it might have even been 190 days. But I think it... it why is the dog outside? Uh, but I think it, it more speaks to kind of like this... I think a lot of people think Xhaka gets sent off, like, one every five games. Yeah. Uh, and even getting sent off twice a season, for me, isn't good enough. I just think that it's reckless. But... I think he he had since coming back he has been performing very very well, for sure for sure yeah I think I think with Xhaka like it's interesting like almost it's almost like he needs some controversy to remind him to calm down, um, and he has that kind of um, you know when he came back from the telling the fans to fuck off and when he came back from the red card, um, I think he yeah he 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 offers us such a nice thing I mean he kind of sits a bit I think he sits a little bit deeper than party I think he kind of makes us tick a bit more. Party's someone who just like beats a press and can play a progressive ball. I think I saw a stat that Party's played the 
most progressive passes and the highest percentage of accurate passes in the Europe or something. It's unbelievable. Party's so good at getting our attack going, but I think Xhaka is yeah, I think I think and I think Xhaka kind of sits in that kind of role and a little bit deeper, obviously to his left, and kind of plays that metronomic thing. And I think he that outball, that other option, because we can be not predictable, but I think I think just having Xhaka, just having that left footer creates so many more angles and I think he was really, really good. Um yeah, it was good. I think we played really well in that first half. We our press was really nice and organised. We were moving as one. It was a kind of a three behind Lacazette, who were just moving. I felt really, really in sync with each other. It was really nice. It's clear it's clearly training ground stuff. Um clearly we're doing the right work there. Um I did feel overall we we, we could just do with a new right back. It just it feels like a position that needs freshening up, regardless of how Bellerin plays, whatever. Cedric did really well. Um, had some nice long balls, and I know he scored the um, scored the goal. He um, provided the pre-assist, but um, I think Cedric was doing doing pretty well. He, it was one moment where he did some like stepovers with um, near the end of the first half. Um, yeah, I, I, I we were going long to kind of bypass their press, and I think we were, you know, as well as going up up and up their up their wings. Going long, kind of mixing it up a bit, I think just confused Southampton a little bit because I think they're a little bit one-dimensional um, at times. The only uh, real worry for me was Louise. Um, I thought Louise looked dodgy. Yeah, he is just a bit poor. He nearly let Walcott set Adams away. He's just... Also, I just think at this point, he should be nothing more than kind of fourth, fifth choice emergency cover. And um, again, it, it comes back to the conversation of of the decision to send Saliba out on loan. And, you know, I don't know if you've been keeping tabs, but he seems to be performing well. Uh, it, it, it again just brings light on that decision that David Louise seems very, very lacklustre and very sloppy in that back four. So making the decision to send out uh, a prospect who seems to be performing well in the French league doesn't, you know, it makes me go, well, what was the point? But especially, especially seeing as we're cancelling the contracts of Socrates, Ozil and what now seems to be Mustafi, because and uh, realistically, I don't think we're unless we bring in some left back cover. I don't I don't know what our squad would be looking like registration wise, but uh I don't know whether there'd be a spot available. But um he's just <laughs> it sounds harsh, but he's just past it, you know? He's 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 past he's off the this pace. level of the game. He's past this level of the game. He needs to go to but he needs to go back to the Brazilian league or like to the because he's he's now also in my opinion past the pace of the top five, all all of the top five leagues. You know, I think if you stuck him in an Italian side, he'd look lackluster. Um, so he needs to go to Portugal or to Brazil or just one of those kind of lesser leagues so that he can, you know, extend his career, do whatever. But it is now it is worrying that you know with Mari out for a couple of weeks which is a shame and Gabriel not probably fully fit back from COVID yet that he is the only other option that we currently have for sure for sure he 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 looks very off the pace and I think he yeah listen he's in the twilight of his career he's there clearly as a kind of older statesman looking at the dressing room we hear a lot about how great he is around the around the place and around the club that's great and that's and that's definitely a role you know the likes of Per Mertesacker the likes of Petr Cech the likes of um 
think Thomas Vermaelen, the likes of, you know, heading backwards, those sorts of players, they're always useful to have, right? even Arteta, to have around the club and to, to shepherd the young players and set examples in training. And that's really great and that's important. But should they be on the pitch? <laughs> it's a separate discussion. But I suppose, I think if if, if Pablo Marie was, was, was fit, if Gabriel maybe was a bit more up to pace, um, following COVID I don't think I don't think Louise would play and to be honest it's probably not bad to have Louise playing in this period of the season because then he, at least he's played some games and he's not being you know annoying when he's not getting any games in probably two or three weeks time when Gabriel and, and Maria back uh, great ball from Lacazette for the goal Saka with the fresh trim Ooh. I think Pepe sh- footballers uh, are getting very good at cutting their hair aren't they yeah they're, they're very, very talented at cutting their own hair extremely extremely talented um uh, I think Pepe shrugged off the right back for the for the first goal, and Saka shrugged off the left back for the second. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say bless Southampton, but you know, it does prove that you know personnel is everything. Um, and McCarthy loves a mistake against us. He, um, I remember Nketiah chased him down uh, at the end of last at the end of Project Restart. Um, but yeah, great great finish from Saka, and you know he just gets better and better. That guy is absolutely. I think uh, Arteta said in his post-match, he's just becoming a more more complete player, and you see it. He is whenever he gets the ball, you just think something's going to happen, and he's so humble. He so um, clearly wants to learn, and it's such a joy. And I don't want to cast worries. His contract is only three years, um, and I think, or certainly, maybe when he gets to the end of this year, he's got three years left. I think we should be discussing another contract within 12 months for Saka because this guy has the facilities and the minerals big man to go to Real Madrid to Barcelona. I I I I truly believe he's not we I think we forget because he's been around for so long. He's 19. He's number he's Arsenal's number 7. He's our probably our best player. He is man of the match performances on the international stage. Like this kid I don't want to say is the best young player we've ever had at Arsenal because that can only be decided in hindsight for me but he's certainly he's certainly up there with the Fabregas's with the Wilshers for the kind of talent level at that age he's magical absolutely absolutely and you know being having three years left on his contract come the end of the season isn't a is is probably good for us because it allows us it gives us the season it gives us the whole of next season to discuss and, and agree a new contract. And then by the end of that, he's only two years away. He would only be kind of two years away from the end of his deal. So if, for example, he decided to uh, that he wanted to leave because, say, um, a Barcelona were interested, we would then be in a situation where we could say, well, sell, we'll sell you him in January or something. He's got two and a half le- years left on his deal. Uh, it, it, we're we're in a strong position with this, but I also I I think he's a fan of the club. Like I don't think it's a situation, for example, and I think that that does play a role. You know, Harry Kane, for example, it's a well known fact that as a kid he was a fan of Arsenal, and I think because of that, if he was a fan of Spurs, he would never have been making kind of comments and moves about. You know, oh, well, we'll see what happens. You know, I want to win things. Um, mm. Kind of back. I can't, I can't. I remember it was. It was it. Was it he an interview was with angling. Jamie Redknapp or he like was was angling, it on Instagram yeah. or something? And he was just yeah, he was yeah. making a few kind of. Uh, he was putting a few kind of things out that were a bit like, oh, OK. 
Uh, and I just don't think I, I don't think that if if you are a fan of the club and the club is doing well, you, I don't think you leave. Uh, which is what you know. It didn't matter how well we were doing. Fabregas was Barcelona born and bred. Fabregas, if Barcelona came knocking, was always going to go back to Barcelona. But with Saka from London, Arsenal fan, been with us since he was six. I think if we're doing well and in the Champions League and we offer him a new contract, he's going to take it. Yeah, and listen, mate, I think, you know, he, the guy's 90. We we would have to catastrophically mess it up if Saka left within the next, say, two or three years. I think by the time he's, let's say, 23, 24, you understand, okay, maybe if Arsenal, maybe if Arsenal aren't in the position that they should be, maybe if we're not challenging, you'd understand it, and you go, okay, you know, in the same position as Fabregas is, and you go, okay, well, we're not going to win the title, so I, I kind of get that. But I also think it's... We 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 have to win out of this because it's so easy to. We could easily get and 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 call me crazy. I think for a player like this, in two or three years' time, if he continues his development, we can easily get a hundred two between a hundred and two hundred million for this guy. I don't know where it would where it would sit, but you know, on a on a if say he's got a four year deal, he's twenty two twenty three. If he's at that level that he we expect him to go to, he he will be worth that kind of money. So that pays for the academy for another ten fifteen years. And that's that's how sustainable, well-run, modern clubs do do business. And then we use that money to pump back into the academy to get our next sacker, and also spend half of it on a world-class winger. It's that, that, that you know. I love Saka, but regardless, we have to win out of this. I'd love him to stay at the club forever. He's clearly a fan, whatever. But of course, ultimately, but the club we, ha- we have to make a win out of this. We have to make a win out of this, and and we've got such a good asset, and let's protect it. Um. Just, just in the second half, um, I thought Smith. I want to highlight a few things. I think Smith Rowe is defensively really useful. He gets us out of tight spots. Something I noticed was he kind of drops back a little bit deeper. His touch is so good that he kind of, when the ball's kind of in no man's land, he is very good at getting it back under control. I think he's really useful and underrated defensively in that way. Uh, Pepe went a bit more central to kind of stop their build up. I think he's a bit quicker than than Smith Rowe centrally, and obviously Smith Rowe likes like likes um drifting around uh but then finally i mean the, the second half felt like a bit more like a chess match but cedric a bit of quality and and the sucker assist again we've, we've spoken about that but and, and a finish from alba but you know I, th- I think with this game i'm pleased i'm really happy and it's three points and let's never let's never throw away three points especially in this league at this time but our next fixtures, I'm just going to read you through our um, our next next few fixtures. Fixtures. So we have got Man United on Saturday. Ah, we've then got Wolves away, Wolves away, Villa away, Leeds at home. We go away to Benfica. We're at home to City. We're at home to Benfica. We're away to Leicester, and then we're into March and we're at Burnley. But then we got the North London derby. We've. I think this next period is make or break, and I'm really happy that we've done this. I'm really happy that we've we've got the three points, and it's great for confidence. We're 16 points out of 18, as I've said. It's it's a fantastic moment, but let's um, let's reserve <laughs> not reserve compliments because they deserve compliments, but let's reserve our judgment too much. I think for a month or so's time. I think this is a, a really really good. This is the best way we could have set up going into that period. But yeah. It's also it's a, it's a tough tough yeah. run, and it, it the next run 
kind of will even make the silly mistakes of losing to Leicester when they were so weak, losing to Burnley at home and you know, it'll make all of those look worse because if you pick up points in those games, it takes the pressure off in games like, you know, Wolves away, who haven't been kind of at their best recently. So it might be a decent time to play them, but also by the flip of the coin, it might not be a decent time to play them because they might be out of blood. It's this league. So, uh, and the same with Villa, you know, Villa have been a bit topsy-turvy with kind of results recently. They haven't been as kind of, flash in the pan hot as they have as they kind of were at the beginning of the season so it might be a good time to play those two united as well you know they're coming off of a a, a very congested run of games and difficult games you know they've just played liverpool twice on the bounce you know they they might be a bit tired so who who knows we've just got to keep positive support the team and kind of hope that we get as many points as we can from the next kind of four or five fixtures. For sure, for sure. I just want to highlight Rob Holding. I think Holding is still continuing his, his run of form. He's really solid all game. Clearances, uh, sniffing out danger. I think he was excellent. And I think someone like Holding, although I would put him in my kind of 80 percenters, I do, I think it's important to, to talk about. I'm just, just going to get his stats up here because he, you know... <laughs> Holding is someone who maybe at the beginning of this season, people weren't. Um, it was it was a kind of a make or break. I, I would say uh, potentially at the beginning of the season, I would have said Holding's kind of got his last chance here. This guy's twenty five. Um, you know his his contract was running down. Saliba is just coming in, but I think he said in his contract um, thing uh, in his kind of interview when he did his contract, it was about saying you know when Saliba comes in, he's got to beat me. And I love that attitude. I love that because he's not accepting, okay, this £30 million, hugely, hugely kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, um, rated. Hyped player and rate, rated player. But, you know, last night, most clearances, um, most blocked shots. He's a very old school defender, but 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 he's useful and he's someone who, with a new contract, homegrown player, we shouldn't shy away from saying the holding is a really good asset to have. Absolutely. And I think with him, that I think there is a difference with some of these 80 percenters in that Rob Holding gives you 80 percent, like 95 times maybe out of 100, if we're going off of recent form. Uh, and probably, I can't say 95 times out of 100 because he's only made 100 appearances for the club. So probably like... <laughs> Probably eighty um, times out of hundred. Yeah, you know he gives that he gives an eighty percent regularly. Uh, the same with Cedric. I think Cedric is probably another one of these eighty percent players. Doesn't have everything that we need, but will give us a seven out of ten more times than he won't. I just think that that's the difference between him and Bellerin, or him and maybe don't want to put Xhaka in there because Xhaka has been good since Christmas but Xhaka is another one of these players that can be really flip-floppy with how he performs it's recent yeah recency bias but overall in their careers yeah so I just think that that's the difference and that's why it's fine to keep a holding in the squad because holding will regularly give you that kind of 80% performance that's decent enough um and I think he it's like you say giving him a new contract he's homegrown it it makes sense. It really does. And, you know, I'm just really happy for him. 
that he, he seems to be on this really rich run of form. He seems to have gotten a lot of confidence because of it. And, you know, at the start of the season, it looked like he was off to Newcastle on loan. And look at the turnaround. Exactly. Okay, anything else on the game, Brad? Nothing from me. Okay, are you ready for the campest, campest jingle of all time? I am so ready. Inject it. This is by my friend Adam, who is a fan of the show. News and views, here we go. News and views. Welcome back to the show. This is (laughs) News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Uh, so I just wanted to close out the show with a discussion that we had yesterday on WhatsApp, which I think could be interesting. Um, just the WhatsApp? On the old WhatsApps. Um, about Lampard, uh, you may have heard mm. that Frank Lampard was sacked from his job. Um, we had quite an interesting discussion around... Um, <laughs> quite an interesting discussion. We had a very interesting discussion about um, the the nature of the way he was sacked, the way way he handled the kind of last few weeks of his tenure. And I wanted to bring it out because I think it's an interesting discussion about football culture in general. And I hope you don't mind, but I just want to put my cards on the table first and then I'd love to love to hear your opinion. No. Basically what Go I was saying was, I think Lampard is a bit of a victim of... No, let me, I'll lay the foundation. There's been a huge culture change in 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 the world, <laughs> certainly in Western culture, in in and and specifically, I can only really speak about English and, and UK culture, right? I think the way people want to be treated at work, and the way people accept accept things at work or accept how they're treated at work is very different. Stories that my um, my mum has told me about things that happened uh, at her job, stories that like, you know, you hear from older people in the generation saying, oh, this happened at my job, just wouldn't fly these days. Like just absolutely, you know, you, because there's, you know, HR departments, there's more safeguarding involved. And let's be absolutely crystal clear, that is absolutely necessary. People should be protected at work. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't feel abused. They shouldn't feel neglected. They shouldn't feel, they should feel comfortable and safe to do the job that they're meant to be doing. And that's, absolutely crystal clear i think there's definitely a culture of appreciate you gone mad it's not that at all i'm not saying that i'm just sort of laying out the foundations so as this culture has moved on it's also coming to football and as well as player power increasing slightly because of that player power increasing has also accelerated that players don't want to be treated players don't want to be um if you have players left out they might feel more um more able these days to go and speak to their manager to to kind of because there are processes in place to complain there's more um conversation and interaction and i think the the idea of the director of football and the idea of like the technical director has kind of its use in use in uh in football in the uk i think is i don't know what the phrase is like it's like born out of necessity or something because i think when you have a manager, especially a manager like Frank Lampard, who is so close in age to the players, if you start treating them, if you start blaming the players in media discussion, if you start um, calling them out, if we don't know what's happened behind, there's an athletic piece which I haven't read, which would be interesting to hear your your take. I've your, read it. Yeah, it's, which would be interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, to hear your take on it. My my impression from the outside is that Lampard is someone who is very much you guys have got to take the responsibility and you guys have got to 
uh, go out there and perform and you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. It's very important that people take their portion of personal responsibility for what they've do- for what they're doing. But ultimately, the buck stops with Frank Lampard. He sets the culture. And if it becomes a blame culture and it becomes a especially when you're someone who's who's basically achieved nothing in management, achieved a lot in the game, but nothing in management. I think something like a director of football or, or a technical director becomes more of a necessity and their role becomes more clear because they have a bit more, they're a bit more removed. If Arteta calls out, and this is why I think it's interesting to discuss because I think it, it's relevant to us. If Arteta calls out Pepe publicly, I supported him at the time. I think it was, he, he was, Right to be angry. I don't know whether he was right to say it publicly. He may feel, he may, now with the player power that Pepe has, with the pull that Pepe has, with the idea that Pepe could go anywhere, could get his agent to do anything to negotiate, the players have the power. Arteta is too close. He works with him every single day. He he will be able to, he, he will have conversation with Pepe. He has to work with Pepe. Someone like an Edu, someone like a Marina Granivskaya or Petr Cech, or I don't know exactly how the system works at, at Marina Granivskaya is like, uh, Petr Cech is, is massively involved with development of players. And I think he's more player facing. It's almost like uh, Petr Cech is, the, is an intermediary between players, Lampard and that circle, and right. Marina Gravenskaya is Abramovich and Lampard's middle, kind of. Exactly. So but again, Czech I could be wrong, well. I'm not a Chelsea fan. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Czech as well is a bit too close. You need someone who, and I think even Edu maybe, but I think he's, a, he's probably com- just about comfortable in terms of age, in terms of experience. You need someone who is able to be a bit more objective, someone who is able to step out of the football thing and go, okay, well, you know, have you been applying yourself in training? I trust my coach's decision on that and therefore you haven't and therefore I can impose sanctions on you. You're not traveling with the squad, you know, or or we can discuss with the head coach what's going to happen. I think the idea, the the old style of management, this is why I discussed that thing at the beginning, the old style of management, the Sir Alex Ferguson's, the you're not playing, son because you're you're not training or you question my authority or you whatever 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 or you you know you call me out in front of the training the the um the group that dynamic has changed alex ferguson is the archetype of a all powerful all knowing omnis- omniscient om- omnipotent manager they don't exist anymore and they can't exist because play- because the culture has moved on and lampard i think to to kind of round off this long long point Lampard, I think, is a victim of the idea that he grew up in that period where players didn't have that power to question the manager as much. And therefore, is probably running into a dressing room where he's being questioned. It's probably not ready for that and maybe doesn't have the support from upstairs. And I think at Arsenal, the reason I mention all of that is that I believe we are heading in the right direction with the right structure. I think Arteta will learn that maybe it's not his place to come out and discipline players in public. He should be able to do it behind closed doors, but with the support of someone like Edu, who is a bit more removed. Yeah. But I'd love to hear your take on all that. So um, to give a bit of context, within the Athletic article, it also speaks to fractions within the playing squad in the... um, uh, some members of the playing squad apparently hadn't been spoken to for months. Uh, there was an issue with Antonio Rudiger that they tried to ship him out in the summer, but then he obviously ended up staying, displaced Tamori. Tamori's now gone out on loan. 
there was a massive issue that caused fraction between uh, friction. Sorry, between uh, Abramovich and the board and him in that uh, they've obviously got this massive investment in Kepper, and they wanted Lampard to almost shield the asset. Uh, rather than doing that, Lampard, you know, has openly chastised Kepper a lot and has frozen him out. So that's caused an issue. And I think it, it also, I think one of the main issues with this Lampard situation is he's acting, and it's no surprise, you know, he had most of his success under this manager, but he's acting like Mourinho without the success of Mourinho. And the only players that will give him the respect like he is Mourinho are the ones that grew up within the club whilst he was there as a player because they will have idolised him and they would have seen his success. You know, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, you know, Edouard Mendy, Thiago Silva, Antonio Rudiger, as as Piliqueta, Kovacic, all of these players will not look at Frank Lampard and think, wow, you won a Champions League, therefore you are a good manager. They will have they've worked under great managers and they don't have the English bias and they don't have the connection that players like Reese James, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham will because they grew up within the club. And I think that that's this and the issue is as well with Lampard is look, I think it's a bit harsh that he's gone when he's gone. If you look at purely on results, uh, I think it was like from the uh, on the 5th of December or something, they were top of the league and they're only five points off fourth. But I think that it is a multitude of things that has led to this. It's the fractions between him and Abramovich in the way that he's treated Kepa and certain other assets. It's the fractions within certain members of the squad. You know, some of them coming out and telling the Athletic that they hadn't been spoken to for months. And it's the fact, I don't think he, he's not of the required level to, you know, he got very, very lucky to limp into the easiest top four. Uh, he was six points off of the the points total that Sarri got the season before. Obviously, you know, they lost Eden Hazard, but please don't give me any of this Nancy bollocks about a transfer ban because they permanently signed Kovacic and they got added Pulisic, Pulisic and, into yeah, their quad. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's, it's bullshit. Whether they got him in in January and loaned him out or whether because he was there on loan, like it, they, they signed two players. They, they found a loophole and they signed two players. Like, I don't care about it, but that's the situation. And he's just not of the, you know, he he was at Derby County for a season and took them from eighth to eighth and they're still in the championship. He got lucky to get into uh, a top four that the season before with that points total would have got him sixth. He has then made the decision to come out and publicly criticise the players and put 100% of the blame most of the time upon the players. Or certainly publicly. Which when you have a situation when you don't have the when you don't have the the international reputation or the kind of the backup of your your trophy cabinet as a manager it will backfire. It will backfire. And I think that it, it it's a lot of things that's culminated in in kind of what I would consider the early dismissal if you look at it purely on results. 
but he wasn't getting on with the board at a few points. At the end of the day, the board own and run the club. And he wasn't getting on with large, large factions of the players. And I think it just became a point where the situation was untenable, not purely because of the results, but because of everything. And on your point on a culture change, totally agree. I think that it is the only way that you can now have a situation where you have an Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho, hairdryer style manager who will call out the players is if they are of uh, a certain quality that they can prove. You know, Jose Mourinho's won, is it two or three Champions Leagues and has won three Premier Leagues? Like if Jose Mourinho calls you out and you're um, Tamori from Chelsea, you know that you can't say shit because you're nothing in comparison to the pedigree that is saying that you're doing shit. But when it's Frank Lampard, it's it's very different. And I think only if you are those upper echelons of managers who can back it up. And also, the, I think the thing is, is Jose Mourinho, no matter how much... And this is another conversation I think would be... I mentioned it last week, would be interesting to have about styles of play. Although he is, he doesn't have a pretty style of football, he wins games. You know, Tottenham are in a final and could win their first trophy in 13 years because of his defensive style of management. No matter what we think about it optically, Jose Mourinho wins games. Okay, the, the acceleration in how quick the meltdown comes seems to be getting quicker and quicker and quicker. But, you know, he might be at Tottenham till the end of the season, winning one trophy and then leave. And Tottenham fans would probably be happy with that. I just think that he's too inexperienced to be acting like he is so experienced. And I think it... it yeah. And, and, and that's and like, this is this is the thing, like, that's why I believe. I think we'll see a trend of coaches being a bit younger and having a technical with, you know, fresh ideas and be closer to the game and have more of a technical director and that sort of thing. I just think it's a really interesting thing to 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 view in real time and watch when it can go wrong, when you're not being protected by a by someone who's coming out and dealing with internal stuff properly when you know and Chelsea are, are bad for it anyway but like i think it's just interesting to kind of compare them to arsenal because we were in a similar spot to chelsea recently but we found for example we found the mole and we you know that was clearly something that was that was uh, a discussion that was had internally and things that were dealt with internally we are shipping out players to deal with our our squad problems chelsea squad problems are obviously different there's still an it's very similar structures, a very inexperienced manager, but I just think it's it's good that we've ma- ha- handled it better than Chelsea because I think I think we have. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. Uh, what are you doing for the rest of the day? Uh, I'll probably go for a walk, um, sort some stuff lovely. out. You know, basic shit. Standard lockdown life. Standard lockdown yeah, life. Mate. All right, mate. Absolute pleasure as always, and we'll see as you. Per- after Manchester United, where hopefully we've got at least a point. Three points. I want three. Okay. Let's fucking scalp them. Okay. Uh, we'll see you after that. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you soon. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at Diffknock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks.
Social Podcast Network.